Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. Here's what I'm excited about is I really believe that the word that the Lord's given me this Easter, this particular year, um, it's just going to change people's lives. I just believe God's going to rescue people. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I don't want y'all to go on every door in the upstate of South Carolina and start knocking and asking everyone to come. If you do that, I'm not going to like come find you, but that's not the goal. The goal is that you, listen to me, don't miss this, that you find one person that doesn't know Jesus, whether it's a neighbor, a friend, and you don't have to say this. I heard that you don't know Jesus, Kelsey. <laughs> so I need you to invite them. Just say, I'd love for you to come with me on Saturday night at five o'clock. I'd love for you to come with me on Sunday. And there's three different chances you can come on that Sunday in two weeks. And so... I just think it's a great opportunity for each one to reach one. And I think it's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. I believe lots of people are going to meet Jesus. And so I'm asking y'all to do that with me. It's going to be fun. Are y'all with me so far? Woo! Then this coming Wednesday night, there's two really special things happening. It's going to be so good, y'all. We get to have a night of worship with our awesome worship team. Come on now. That ain't enough. That's weak. And then one of my closest friends and a mentor in my life who means so much to me, his name's Pastor J.R. Lee. He's coming to preach here. He's only been here one time. And um, if I remember right, Pastor Austin might have to help me. Um, I think there was like 68 people in the room when he came the first time. And we pumped it up, y'all, on social media. But that was a pretty good percentage with the number of people we had attending at the time. And he did something in our church that week. God used him, is what I should say, to do something in me and then in our church. And it, like, it changed us. And so this is what I've told him. I said, I'm going to let you decide what you want to preach. I'm not going to say you need to preach from this small passage so you can pick from the Bible. That would be a good place to start. And, but I just said, I just want you to pour in to us again because I feel like this is the season that we're ready to see another transition and um, he's a catalyst. I just believe God uses people like him. And I'm excited for y'all to hear him. A bunch of y'all have never heard him. And I'm excited for you to hear him. So listen to me. Everybody, everybody, everybody. We need to, we need to run out of chairs this coming Wednesday at 630. We're going to have our student section because the wave starts in the student section. And they're going to pack it out on their side. And then, and then we're going to fill this place up. And I'm telling you, the worship's going to be awesome. There's something about when you can take a little extra time and just invite the presence of God into a room. It's just awesome. And then I just believe that you're going to be challenged. And, and our, our goal is that we're out of here before 8 o'clock. So 6.30, out of here by 8, your kids can still get to bed. If your kids have to be to bed by 7 o'clock, then you're a better parent than me, and to God be the glory. So I'm excited about today, y'all, because it's our next to last part of Let's Get It On. And today's message is single-focused. Everybody say single. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, if you're not single, this one isn't for me, but I promise you it is. 
promise you it is. This is for all my young people in the room. This is for all my young adults, but you're still young if you're younger than me. This is for, this is for all the people that are single again. This is for all the people that are 85 and single. And this is for all of you guys that are married as well. Listen to me. This is going to really change you. This is going to really change you today. I believe in my heart. Not because of the awesome words that I'm going to say, but because I believe God's given me something to help change your perspective. But I want you to know this before I jump in. And I'm going to repeat this several times. Single is not a curse. Contrary to what society may tell you, contrary to what you may be thinking in your heart, being single is not bad. Being single does not mean you haven't made it. Being single does not mean you're gross and nobody wants you. Being single is a gift from God. Listen to me, I'm not being funny yet, but I'm going to be in a second. Being single is a gift. It's amazing. And I'm going to show you in just a couple minutes in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 why this is the case. But being single is awesome. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. But this message isn't just about your relationship status. This, re this message is about certainly being single and what singleness is about, but it really fixes on your focus. And so the other title of my message is, May I Have Your Attention, Please. Was that good? Thank you. I, didn't, I can't because one time is bad and two times, shame on you. So here's what I want y'all to know. This is it today. That whatever has your attention has your heart. And, and that if you can understand why being single is not the worst thing in the world, it will shift your life. But what has your attention will absolutely wreck you or it will absolutely bring you to a place that changes your life. Now listen to me. We're going to have some fun for a minute. Here's the deal with your attention, and I'm going to teach you in 1 Corinthians 7 in just a second about this, but... But most people think this, and I've got to tell you this before I start reading these scriptures. Most people think this, and I don't know how it's programmed in us because we think it when we're like 12. There's a couple 12-year-olds I see in the room, we, or 11. We think, we think this way. I'm not really comfortable with just being me, so if I can just find a he, ladies, if I can just find a she, Dudes, if I can just find the right person, then I'll feel better about myself because I don't feel pretty, but he'll make me feel pretty. I don't feel manly, but if I get that hot girl, she'll make me feel manly. And it always goes real bad because it doesn't work. Because the only thing we can do in relationships, and I'm talking about even dating, the only thing we can do in relationships is bring our baggage to the table. And so if you're a mess now, stay a mess alone. I could just stop right there because that's really enough, but I'm going to keep <laughs> preaching because it's going to be fun. Attention is so important. There's things, I just got to be ADD for a minute, and I don't have to be, I just am, but, but I'm going to run with it. But like, there's, there's are there ever words in y'all's mind that your mind just goes, boom, and you, you feel like you're supposed to say something to it? Like, when I say attention... I'm in school. Attention, salute, pledge. I pledge allegiance, right? And then every time I say single, I did real good a minute ago, but I can't get past it. I always want to sing all the single ladies. All the single ladies. All the single ladies. 
And then there's a fan right here, so if I had hair that moved, then I could Beyonce it a little bit, move a little bit and help me. But like, that has nothing to do with the message. I just wanted to let y'all in a little bit. But attention is so important because what the pledge actually does, listen to me, is it gets you to focus on what it wants you to focus on at the time. It's the flag. It's, 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 it's saluting our country. It, it, because the hardest thing, listen to me, the hardest thing in the world to do is to get people's attention. You know, if you can keep a child's attention for seconds, you're an incredible speaker. And every parent in the room said, because I can offer my kid anything. I'm talking about like the most incredible thing he's ever wanted. And I say, if you'll look at me for one minute straight, I'll give you. And then I'm talking about, you just name it. The thing that he would want more, we'll go to Disney World. I'll offer it to him today. If you'll, if you'll stare at me for one minute. <laughs> no shot. I mean, there is a better chance of me doing a 360 triple flip and landing on my feet than my kid staring at me for one minute. But, but the reality is when we get older, we get more mature and we're able to focus better as far as looking at people. But y'all, our attention is all over the place because everything wants your attention. And I don't know if y'all know this, but a lot of times we think of the devil so funny. Because we think that the devil's trying to get us to fall into this ugly, deep, dark mire of death sin. And eventually he'd love for you to get there. He hates your guts and he hopes that he can make your life absolutely miserable. But the only thing he wants from you right now in this moment is just to have your attention. And can I tell you what means he uses? Any means necessary. Any means necessary. And what I've found in my life is that Maybe not the place, but certainly one of the places that he's able to get people's attention more than any other is relationships. Which is why Paul said this. In 1 Corinthians 7, he said, if you want to be free from anxieties, like this is a heavy word right here. If I was hateful in my heart, you could preach this a different way and be really mean about this. But it's not intended this way. I think people misinterpret this if they say you should never get married based on this. Because here's what Paul's saying. If you want to be free from anxieties, the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, which isn't an absolute, right? You you don't necessarily know that, but this is what he's saying. He's able to be focused on this one thing because he doesn't have other focuses. He doesn't have other things. She, single lady, doesn't have other things, so she's able to fix her eyes on Jesus without having to make sure that her family's coming with her because as an adult, as a young person, you are single. Everybody say single. Focused is what our goal is, and it says how to please the Lord. What would he have me do? Follow after him. Remember his love for me. Chase him. But the married man is anxious about worldly things. Good golly, Miss Molly. How to please his wife. If you want to, you can say, praise God for all of them, but I'm different. And I hope to God you don't believe that, married people. Because you ain't. (laughs) And I'm not. Because, listen, all of us live in this world. Sometimes when Lee and I are going really well, I look over her and she's crying. Dudes, talk to me. We look and go, huh. (laughs) And then you don't know what to do. 
Like the best expert in the whole world can write a book and tell everybody about every sight thing in the whole world and they know all this stuff, but none of them know what to do when their wife's crying. So we all do the same thing. Come on, what did I do? Isn't that what we do? What did I do? Because I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why we do it. We just do it because we assume that somehow, some way, some way, some fashion, something. I did something. Maybe it was 10 years ago and you sneezed and remembered what I did because you are a catalog of remembrance. But you remembered. And so all of a sudden they start, they start crying and I don't know what to do. And I've got this, this worldly things on my mind focusing on me. And I love being married, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I'm saying, like, that's always on our brains, right? Because we, we because listen, here's the deal, here's the deal, here's the deal. I love being married to my wife. I love it. But whatever garbage and mess and stuff that I brought in that God hasn't healed in my life, I am wrecking her every day. And then this is the other tension I believe that happens as I continue in the passage in just a second. Listen, we think that that they are going to fix us and that there's this magical superhero woman or magical superhero man that's my soulmate. Everybody say soulmate. Listen to me. Shenanigans. I found somebody that'll put up with my craziness. I'm craziness. She found someone. Listen, we're so tied now. That's a whole different message. And it's beautiful and it's awesome and God intends for that. But we ain't perfect for each other. Gosh, mighty knows we ain't perfect. Nobody is. I don't know why people trick you into believing that no matter, listen, because this is what the soulmate myth does. I'm messed up. I'm, my mind is crazy. But if I go find my soulmate and I start floating like this because they walk into the room, bam, and they hit me, then all of a sudden all my mess is fixed. No! I don't care how pretty. Pretty still talks. Come on, somebody. Like, I don't care what happens. I don't care how macho and handsome he is. He stinks at the end of the day. So, 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 so if I don't come in with a real, realistic expectation of I am better with my wife, but it's only because we are healthy together, not because all of a sudden she just makes me this thing, boom, and I'm better, or I make her this thing, nor do I believe that it's my responsibility or hers to make us better. We do complete each other in ways but not before we got saved and not before we got married. And I'm going to preach some more in just a minute, but let me keep going. It says, my interests are divided. Like, this is fascinating because the actual original language, the Greek language, shows you the same verbiage as what's in James with a double-minded man. I'm not making this up. The word for anxious is anxious. The word for divided interest is double-minded. This is what happens to us, y'all, but this happens in every relationship. Is I then have all my focus on what did I do wrong? How can I fix this? How can I say this word with me? Say control. control. See, when you're single, and I mean truly single, not trying to get married, but I mean just single and you're content where God has you in your life. You don't have to control any other human being. Because you know the only person that you're responsible for is you. And I'm going to tell you something. I can preach that till I'm blue in the face, but somehow I want to control my kids. And that is hilarious. And somehow I want to control my wife, not walk with her. Not have a relationship where we're arm in arm as the picture of Jesus and Mark. 
And so because controlling is such a big deal in our lives, we then have our attention on how to have control, and we never let Jesus have all control. And it is a train wreck. And we wonder, we wonder, we wonder this thing like, um, why do so many Christian marriages fail? I hear that all the time. Like somehow when we trust Jesus as Lord, we get this special Jesus dust that no longer do we have a sin nature, and now we're completely fixed. But Jesus didn't come to fix you. He came to make you new. So whatever you've got bringing into the problem, you still got in the problem, even though you're saved. And everything I control, everything I control, everything I try to control is the better way to word that. I make a mess of. Just plain and simple. And so... That's why my interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord. The Lord. How to be holy in body and spirit. And thinks about the things that God calls us to be thinking about, which is to seek him first with all of our lives. His kingdom and God's righteousness. That I'm not righteous, but God makes me that. So I think of God first. And this does not mean a married person can't. It means that if you didn't before you said I do, it's a lot harder to I did. Because like I love when people say if I have kids, things will get better with my husband. (laughs) Everybody with kids just started laughing. Because it's nah. Ooh ooh. (laughs) It just gets more and I love my kids so much, y'all, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade our life for anything. But everything that you add to your life adds issues and keeps you, if you try to control all of it, because you think it's your responsibility to control and not to steward from Jesus or from seeking him first. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. It's so fascinating, the different words here how to please his wife, and how to please her husband. And the tenses are different, and it is so cool because that is really how we are. How many times do I have to buy her flowers? How many times do I have to tell him he did a great job? How many times do I have to tell him his arms are big? His arms aren't big, but I got to lie to him. How many times do I have to do these things because I'm so many times having to think through all these things that control the narrative and control, control, control. And it says, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay a restraint upon you, but to promote, someone say good order. Because that's what Satan wants for your life is disorder. Because 1 Corinthians 13 say, or 14 says that God is the God of peace. But that the enemy wants to throw chaos, disorder to your life. So he doesn't have to bring the biggest, baddest, ugliest sins. He can just bring disorder and you'll do it yourself. And you'll think to yourself, Jesus, I tithed. And I did good things, and I preached. So why would I yell at my wife? And he's like, you got to get you right before you go find Miss Right. Because she ain't going to make you right. And to secure your undivided, that is such a powerful word, your undivided devotion to the Lord. That word literally means without any distractions in your life. And all Paul's saying here is, I'm able to do what I'm able to do because I don't have to worry about if I got eggs when my wife texted me and told me to bring them home. 
and then I'm going to get myself in the doghouse if I do this. And listen, listen, I do not want to paint a bad picture of marriage because I love it and it's amazing. It's a gift from God. But single is too. And so many people go into marriage with this thinking crazy idea that this is going to make it better and it makes it worse because this is the single institution that the enemy wants to attack more than anything else. And you can't think that hell ain't coming against you when you get married because hell is coming. But if your focus can be singularly on the Lord Jesus, then it's awesome. Because this is the issue, y'all. It's, it's the attraction of distraction. The attraction of distraction. That's really where the issues lie. That's really where we come into play. That's really what the problem is. And, and this is for married people, single people. This is for old people, young people. This is for every person in the room. There is an attraction to distraction. Like because we think, we think that, that things are bad. Things are not bad. Jesus actually said, if you seek first my kingdom, all these things will be added unto you. And what those things are is the things that we need to accomplish the purpose that he put us on this planet. Things aren't bad. Wanting things above all else is where we get ourselves in trouble. And I know if I'm in this boat, if the things I'm thinking about are everything, oh yeah, God. Everything, oh yeah, God. This is how I think about it. Y'all know the sprinklers, right? That go... This is, what, this is what life's like. Sports, boom, 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 all these different things in my life. Jesus, Sunday morning, and he just gets one little tick, 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 tick. Because it's so difficult to not be this way because we got so many things in our lives. And we think to ourselves, well, it'll stop, right? It'll change. If I, just, if I just do this one thing, if I just change this one thing, and I'm here to tell you you're not able to change you, only he can change you. You dang sure can't change somebody else if you can't change you. So whenever you try to control everybody else because you need them to do what you need them to do so that you can have your happy, you just add more ticks to your sprinkler of life. And you say to yourself, well, this will stop. This will stop. And then it comes this. Everybody say this word. Say it again. We're going to have fun. <laughs> Young people, I'm not just talking to you, so I want you to know this, but I'm going to have fun with you for a minute. I need y'all to laugh because if you don't, you might cry. <laughs> when I was a kid, and then when I became a Bible teacher at Spartanburg Christian Academy and um, did student ministry in my early, mid, late 20s, um, there was a book called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Y'all might remember it. And everybody was mad at me for not promoting And I was like, I think it's the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Because they're asking me to kiss for the first time on my wedding day. And if I mess this up, the preacher's standing right there. And then the audience is there. And what if we have braces and y'all know what happens and like all that stuff, right? So some of y'all don't know what happens. But like, but I thought it was weird. And the reason that I thought it was weird wasn't because it was bad. Because it was really teaching courtship versus dating. What dating's all about. I just have an issue in my own heart with trying to get to a place the wrong way. Like true love waits is such a great concept that we grew up with, uh, Gen, Gen Xers grew up with. But I thought it was weird because I loved her and I didn't want to wait. 
So I need someone to explain it to me. So I'm going to today. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Dating. When I was teaching school, I would get crazy, y'all. I'm trying to think. I didn't ever teach Kaylee. I didn't ever teach y'all. I had Tyler a little bit. Um, but then there's several people in our church that went to SCA and I taught. And so I don't, I'm trying to find someone that I can pick on right now. But here's what life was like. Life was like. I love teaching. It was so much fun. And you can imagine that my class was full of a lot of structure. And <laughs> Kelly, how did I overlook you? So Kelly, this is bad for you because you're right there. And I was looking out. So they would be sitting in class, the bell would ring, right? Now, Sparman Christian Academy had 100-and-something students in the high school, not lots and lots and lots. So everybody knew everybody and all this stuff, and I was the Bible teacher for the entire high school. So I knew everybody, giving them a hard time, doing what I did. And I just started noticing this. So-and-so would start dating. Billy would start dating Julie, right? And every class period. I'm talking about without fail. Certain people. I used to call some of them Joni Loves Chachi. Like, I'm not making this up. This is all true. Y'all can judge me if you want to. Every class period, y'all, they wouldn't go to their locker. They wouldn't go to the bathroom. They wouldn't get a drink. They wouldn't do anything. They would zoom, and they were right beside each other. This is the girl, and I'm, I'm me. They just had to be together like this. Because if you spend one second without me, and I would just look and go, what are you doing? You're 15. Stop. And I remember stuff like this, y'all. When, even when I was dating Leah, we started dating before my senior year in high school, before her junior year. And I don't remember the last moment. I'm sure in, in my marriage I got jealous of somebody and acted foolish. I have no idea when that was. And I'm super passionate for Leah. If any dude tries to come on to Leah, it's roundhouse kick in the mouth, right? I, that's not the problem. But I trust her because of our lack of trust. This is what we try to do. We try to control every single part of the dating experience. So as soon as someone sneezes in the direction, I'll use you because you went, of Kelly, were you talking to him? I'm not talking to you after next period. Well, praise God. Is that all it took? Like, and and like, like, it's this most unbelievable thing. And then, and then they, they spent every in-between class. They're not allowed to talk to their friends anymore because if you talk to your friends, you care about them more than you care about me. You're 12! Holy moose! But every class like we're about to get married. Listen, I don't want to do that with Leah. And I really love her. And I'm married to her for 17 years this summer. But they can't be apart. So, so, so this is what happens. This is what happens. Y'all better not miss this. So because they desire to tie each other up and the, the, the attraction is so big, they give it up so they can tie it up. Do I need to explain what I mean by that? They have sex. They give it up so they can tie them up. 
Oh, now sometimes it's because they love me. Because I hear that all the time. I got offered sex in the eighth grade. If you love me and you tell me you love me, I'll have sex with you. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Not even positive that I had fully hit puberty yet and I'm not being funny. Because I sure had some growth spurts left to go. But I got offered it. And you know what that young lady was telling me? I'm miserable. I don't have a daddy at home. This is the truth. So I need to tie you up because he's gone. And, and let me not pick on the young people because I wanted to have a little fun and tell you this. With dating, can you please just understand this, y'all? I'm not against dating. I just think we should change the narrative a little bit. Like, why not hang out with friends and realize that we're only going to be 15 one time? And if they move to Antarctica, praise God, because somebody lives close to you that is just as good as they are for you. Promise. Promise. And I know that I'm in, he's just inconsiderate. He doesn't know what it's like to be me. Lies. I was in your shoes, honey. I was in your shoes, bro. But let me tell y'all something. I'm not talking to the teenager alone. Because don't think, old people, we don't do the same thing. We just give ourselves a pass because we're old now and God doesn't care as much. Because adults mate outside of marriage like rabbits. We go wherever we can find it. And we just think to ourselves, it's no big deal. I'm just test driving it before I can actually buy the car. And, 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 and then this is another issue that gets us in trouble is we stop dating our wives, start dating our husbands, and that lure of attraction that we were first drawn to each other starts going away. So we start becoming attracted to others. Now, it may start on the Internet. It may just start with an attraction for looking at things that you shouldn't, but eventually that gets boring. And we begin to chase what a fantasy would be like. And then maybe a little rendezvous. And people that are so well-meaning that never, ever dreamed in their entire life that they would have an affair just wants to go on one date and see what it might be like. And lives are ruined. Here's the difference, single people. It's not good if you do that because it's not God's plan for your life because he intends my soul to be tied sexually only to one my entire life because it does something to you. It is not just pleasurable and fun. It does something inwardly. And I would always know in my heart, the teenagers that I taught and that were in my student ministry, I knew it. I mean, I could point them out, and I wasn't judging them. Because there's a difference between trying to dictate someone's life and judging by fruit, which is what God says we should do. You know them by their fruit. This is some people's fruits. If I can't leave you, then I'm tied to you. And if I'm tied to you when I'm 12, my gosh, something's going on. If I'm tied to you when I'm 30, but I ain't said I do, I'm going to walk away. Because until you say I do, you don't have to. You can walk away. But for some reason, we've started making it. Well, just, just have sex with anybody. It's cool. We have no idea what kind of mess we put ourselves in. Now, here's the awesome news. No matter what you've done up till this moment, God can heal you from any kind of bondage. And it's amazing. And this is the thing that I don't really understand about God, but I love God so much as a result of. 
that whether or not I go out and act like a hellion and cheat on my wife and act like a fool, or by the grace of God, I believe I never will, God does not look at me differently. That's crazy. Oh my goodness, that's crazy. He hates my sin because it breaks his heart. But he loves me so much in both places because Jesus became my sin and he demonstrated his love in this way that while I was already in my sin, whatever mine was, in the distraction that pulled me away from God, caused me to miss the mark. By the way, every day of my life, he demonstrated it by showing his love, by sending Jesus, Romans 5, 8. It's amazing. And Jesus didn't just come to hang out and be a cool prophet, dude. He came to sacrifice, be the spotless lamb that took away the sins of the world. But many of us have so many distractions in our lives that it's hard for us to get our eyes fixed on how good God is and how amazing Jesus truly is. And our avenue to have that love relationship with him that the only thing we can focus on is how do I fix this problem? How do I make them right? How do I solve that issue? And not God already did all of that. Now I just get to focus on him. And these are the other issues, y'all. And I just want to hit on for a couple minutes. Because I don't want to give y'all a pass if you've never had a temptation in your entire life and think that you're single focused. And I don't want to give me a pass because I've been faithful for this amount of time. Now all of a sudden, I'm in the good category of God. Because I need y'all to know this, and I think it's going to be liberating for some people. Money is not bad. Things are not bad. Success is wonderful. Until it becomes what we focus on. They're all neutral things until they hit me. And if I steward things, God says, go for it, buddy. But if I hold on to things, try to control things, try to manipulate things, try to be about me, then I'm attracted to whatever those things are and the sprinkler starts going around and around and I hope I can hit God on my way by. You know, I was thinking about this when I was, the Lord gave me this message Friday and um, I was just thinking about our life and how funny it is that we think we get to control everything. If we want to try, he'll let us try. <laughs> or we can relinquish control and he'll lead us down the path of righteousness for his name's sake. I remember when God told us to get Leah to quit her job, how we just said to ourselves, there's going to be some changes and we were going to sell our house, but life was going to be so much simpler. We're going to declutter our life because we say things like, this is only for a season. If I can just do this, I'm building for the future, Leah. If you can just stay home, everything's going to be better. I won't miss next year's recital. I'm going to have to miss this year's recital. I won't miss next year's ball game. I'm going to miss this year. If I can just build enough equity in my life, if I can just build enough, if I can just do enough, if you could just quit your job, then we'll have time together. I promise you, with Leah quitting her full-time teaching job of 13 years that took a lot of her time, we are busier than we've ever been in our entire lives, and it ain't even close. So if we don't fix time on purpose in Christ Jesus, listen to me, if we don't, if we don't say we're going to date on this night, come hell or high water, 
if I'm not in the hospital and you're not and our kids, and Mimi watches the kids a lot and Mimi can help them and whoever else, we are going to focus on what God wants for our relationship. Bigger than that, everybody I talk to says this. That's not true. Tons of people I talk to say this. Pastor, I just get so busy, I forget to spend time with God. I'm not throwing shade on y'all because I have said the same thing so many times. Here's what I promise you. You haven't forgotten to do some things. You haven't. You haven't, you haven't forgotten to do whatever it is that you're attracted to. Whether it's surf the internet for that sports team that I love the most. Well, pastor, that's different, bro. It's only like five minutes here, five minutes there. <laughs> but, but I had time. I had time to play those video games or what I love to do on my, on my apps on my phone. And I say stuff like this. Leah, you just need to understand that relaxes me. And what relaxes me today becomes an addiction tomorrow. Because things aren't bad until we abuse them. I'm talking about things aren't bad until we abuse them. Sex is so wonderful. I'm going to preach on it next week. So, such an amazing gift till we abuse it. Food is wonderful till I abuse it. Baseball, football, basketball, sports. I love sports. They, it, I, I think that they tell so many life lessons and I love them till I abuse it. Till they become God. Because I can be drawn by any number of good things because the enemy tries to trap you in good, not in bad. He is not a fool. He is evil and he's hateful and I can't wait till he goes to hell forever. But he ain't there today. He's here. Somewhere on this earth, roaming, prowling like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But we have the opportunity to resist him and stand firm in our faith, stand upright because God made me have right standing with him. But I will, watch this, watch this, don't miss this. Oh my goodness, don't miss this. You can never stand upright if you try to stand on your own. And here's why I found in my life, y'all take this from me, in my experiences, and what I believe the Bible lines up with, so many times in my life, here's what I've said. God, I just got to do better. So, 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 so help me try harder. Help me be more. Help me, help me never do that sin again. Help me, help me, help me not, help me. My focus is everywhere, God. Help me do this. And in that process of help me do this, I never say, God, just tell me where to go. You lead me and I'll follow. Because, because what has your attention eventually will have your heart. And most likely already does. And if my attention is on stopping sinning, this is a crazy cycle that I don't even fully understand, but I promise you it's true in my own life. The thing that I hate the most, I'll repeat, if my focus is on the thing that I hate the most. And I say to myself, I would never abuse. I saw my family abuse, and I would never do that. And then I end up abusing because I repeat cycles. And I say, I, I just want to break this thing. I just don't want to be this thing anymore. I don't know what's wrong with me, but it has my attention. Only one thing, only one person, only one substance, only one anything can change your life, and it's Jesus. He is the only hope for your heart. 
And he's not looking at you disgusted at what you're in. He's looking at you just saying, come to me, follow me. I've got you. I will rescue you. You don't have to have your focus on anything else because whatever has your attention has your heart. And if you're not singularly focused on him, then you're singularly focused on destruction. Guys, this is why being single, Paul says, is better. Because he's not saying for your forever. And some people it is, and that's a gift, and it's amazing. Praise God for that. But if you hate the circumstance you're in, you can't hate it enough to change. You can't punch yourself, cut yourself, hate yourself enough to ever change. You can't hate your parents enough to not be like them. You can't hate what you look like enough to change how you feel about yourself. You can only believe what your heavenly Father says about you, and it's, I love you so much. I'm crazy about you. I think you're amazing. And I just want all your heart. And guess what? If you just follow me, I'll give you everything I got for you. Everything I had planned for you. So much more than you can imagine. But I want to close with this. And I'm not even going to flip there. I'm just going to preach. Mark chapter 8. It's one of my favorite stories. And it's Jesus. It says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he must deny himself Take up his cross daily and follow me. Forever who would gain his life would lose it, but forever would lose his life for my sake will gain it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? For what in the world can I get in replacement of my soul? What could I possibly get in replacement of, of this? There's only one you. And you are the most precious commodity to God. He thinks you are absolutely amazing. And the thing he doesn't want to do is make your life miserable or keep you from enjoying life. He is the enjoyment of life, but you got to do it his way. you got to begin to understand that you have to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and know that all these things will be added unto you, but the shift happens not when you try harder, but when you... When you say, I'm not capable of controlling. I'm not tape. I, I don't need to tie her up or him up. That I can date with friends. That they're not going to make me happy. It's not going to make me happy. Nothing will ever make me happy. And having things are such a blessing. Praise God for all Christians who have things. Because the kingdom expands that way. But listen to me. Never put your hope in anything but the one place you can put it in. Daddy's love. And he is crazy about you. And he wants a love relationship with you. But this is what you got to do, and this is why people think, this is why I really believe people miss the true gospel. Listen to me. It's because they hear a message like this and they say, man, that's awesome. My head believes what you're saying. So I'm in. And God wants you to drop it. And just say, I'm coming, Daddy. I'm coming home. There's a place for me in your home. I'm coming home. Yeah, but Pastor, if you knew what I've done, like it's ugly. I've had these gross relationships. I've, I've had gross things happen in my life. I'm miserable in my life. If you knew all that I did, you wouldn't say that. But I'm telling you this right now. With the most passion I can say it with, if you had one inclination 
that is the razorous, small, thin margin of the love God has for you. No human word can possibly describe it. It is so outlandish and so overwhelming that words can't comprehend it. But the only way you can step into a relationship with him is to say solely, first and foremost, I love you back, Daddy. I don't deserve a place at your table. Matter of fact, I don't even deserve scraps. But instead of calling me slave, you call me son. Right now, I'm not preaching from my mind. I just want y'all to know that I'm preaching from my heart. Because God's done something to my heart this week that I can't share yet. I got attention in places. Don't misunderstand. I got my mind focused on some things. But the one thing I can't get off my mind is the one that rescued my heart. Do you know that I don't have to perform well? He's not looking at me going, man, you sucked that one up. He's looking at me going, I'm so proud of you. Well, God, I did the worst job I've ever done in my life preaching. I'm so proud of you. Single people, you're such a gift. Married people, that crazy husband of yours is such a gift. That crazy wife of yours is such a gift. God loves them so much. Don't try to change them. Be you. And listen to me, I feel an anointing in this room. That God wants to do something in your life. I don't care how many times you've heard the gospel. I think for some of you, you might have heard it your whole life and it hit your ears, but it never rescued your heart. Here's what I'm asking you to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that you can get to your Father's love because of the blood that he shed on Calvary. And that today can be your one day where you begin to walk with Jesus and experience audacious, crazy love for the very first time where your focus can be so fixed on him that it changes everything. Will you bow your heads? I'm not going to ask you to do 25 things. I'm going to ask you to do one thing. If you're ready to say, Jesus, I need you, and it's not just know what you did, but it's love you with my whole heart because you love me first and you gave yourself. God gave you for our ransom, for our sin. And I'm ready to say yes to you right this second. I will follow you and my focus will be fixed on you. Jesus, save me. If that's you, just throw your hand up right now wherever you are in the room, all over the room. I believe people are getting saved right now. We had several in the first service and I believe there's some of you right now that need to say yes. So just let me see your hand wherever you are. I'm not gonna point you out. I'm not gonna call you out. I just wanna acknowledge you. Thank you, dude. Who else? Who else? I'm ready to say yes to Jesus in this moment. Here's what I want you to know. I do not believe that you have to pray a special prayer to get saved. I believe you have to believe in your heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and confess with your mouth that he's your Lord. I believe you're saved right then. And we're excited for you. And listen to me, anybody that didn't raise their hand because he saves your heart, you can tell us on your worship guide 
on the card that you can tear off. You can fill it out and check the box. I'm trusting Jesus as my Lord today. And we want to know. We want you to drop them in the boxes on the way out the door. And if you got saved in this room right now, we want you to go to next steps. And we want to give you a gift. We want to give you a Bible. We want to help you begin to take your steps. I want to close this way. Look at me. But for all of you that know Jesus, my desire for your life is not for you to follow me and think that I'm awesome. (laughs) Because that would be a shame. But you can just know how much he's crazy about you. And I find it so sad that the church is in such bondage, not because the truth isn't out there, but because they don't really believe it. And I want you to know the love of our God. It is so beautiful. It is so extravagant. It is so amazing. And that you actually believe how much he loves you, how crazy he is about you. So as Morgan comes to lead us in this awesome song, that's so perfect, so perfect to close. I want you to listen and let this song sink in that his love is so awesome. Jesus, we love you back because you first loved us. And God, we just want to tell you we're going to sit at your table and sit at your feet and tell you you're awesome. We love you, Jesus. We're sinking deeper. Amen.